0: Hey, thanks for joining me. Thanks for choosing to have me in your ear today. I have just had the pleasure of interviewing an American Navy SEAL commander, John McCaskill. He is an absolute great guy. It was a pleasure to have him on. We talk about the whole Navy SEALs training, the buds, the selection process, but more poignant than that, we talk about PTSD, we talk about anxiety, stress and depression, the experiences that John had himself with feelings of survivor's guilt and how mindfulness and meditation actually helped him through those times. John is now actually become a mindfulness and meditation teacher and he is helping veterans with their struggles too. Hope you enjoy this one. Hey, John McCaskill, thank you for joining me today. Richard,
1: it's uh, great to be here with you. thank you uh, thank you from across the ocean here in the states.
0: You're the first American that I've had on this podcast, so thank you very much for joining me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you.
1: Well, i'm I'm honored uh, one to be on the podcast and two to be your first American on the show. so hopefully uh, I live up to <laughs> hopefully I live up to America's standards, although I'm not sure what those are, so I'm, I'm honored uh, either way.
0: I'm sure you will. I mean, you're not just an American; you're 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 a Navy SEAL. So I should have called you a commander, John McCaskill, actually, as I uh, as I introduced you there. So pardon me for that.
1: No, that's fine. I, I'm I'm soon to be retiring, as a matter of fact, at the end of this month. So uh, I will soon no longer be a commander uh, in in the in the SEAL teams. Uh, soon going to be Mr. McCaskill, just like every other one, <laughs> every other
0: person. I mean, it's uh what what you know. You've been in the. Navy or the SEALs for, what, 26 so, years, is it? Am 24,
1: I right? 24, 24 years, uh, close. Um, so, yeah, I enlisted in 1996 uh, and then went through an officer uh, program. Specifically, I went to the Naval Academy uh, in Annapolis and then went from Annapolis out to uh, Coronado, California for SEAL training. So uh, officially got pinned as a Navy SEAL in – February of 2003. Um, so been a seal since uh, since then. So what, a little over 17 years as as a seal the rest of the time, either as an enlisted man, parachute rigger specifically in the Navy, or as a as a midshipman at the Naval Academy.
0: Awesome. So where did it all start? Did you um, you got family ties uh, to like a military background, or was it just something that you? you decided you wanted to do i mean i I always see the navy seals and and we've you know the sas over here or even just the military in general and it's it's something that i was always like no, you've got to be superhuman to kind of even contemplate doing this uh i think there's a little bit of
1: that i think there's a little bit of craziness too but (laughs) uh yeah uh one i'll tell you i've worked with both the sas and sbs and i absolutely love Uh, my brothers and both of them, uh, and and phenomenal operators, uh, ridiculously hard people. (laughs) So uh, you you guys, I think, may think something of the SEALs. We think very much of, very highly of the SAS and SBS. Uh, But I will tell you, um, and I think you'll actually appreciate this, Richard, I was actually born in South Africa. Uh, My parents, my parents back on both sides, we go back several generations in South Africa, Um, And in 1984, when my parents were about my age, uh, they uprooted us from South Africa and moved us to Louisiana. Uh, I I have three older sisters and a younger brother. So my parents uh, are heroes to me because I can't imagine doing that with five children. I've got two young children and uh, moving them from one state to the other is, is hard enough, but moving them across the ocean to a completely different culture uh, I'm sure that was terrifying. And when they got to the states from South Africa, uh, the the culture shock. I mean, they moved us from South Africa South Africa because they didn't agree with apartheid or where the government was going. Because at the time, South Africa was still under minority rule with the whites running the country, and uh, and the blacks there being uh, very much oppressed, uh, very much, mm. very much so moved to the States and, uh, that was the first time I was actually integrated in school. Uh, I was, I was in first grade, but still I was, I was integrated in school with, uh, my, my fellow black students and, uh, and then grew up, you know, integrated through school. Um, and another reason my parents moved us was, uh, conscription was still a thing in, in South Africa at the time. And they, they didn't want myself and my younger brother to be drafted into the military, um, they, wanted <laughs> to, they wanted us to have a choice. So, okay, okay. We, 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 yeah. So the irony is, we moved to the states, and then I actually voluntarily enlisted in the military. So, so yeah, enlisted in the in the navy in 1996. Uh, I knew that I always wanted to serve. Coming over to the states, I um, I fell very much in love with the country. I fell very much in love with what the the flag stood for, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I know there's a lot of debate about that right now uh, with with Black Lives Matter and, and the the George Floyd killing over here in the states. I mean, that the that has become a, a global topic of conversation. But um, I, I will tell you what I, I believe the flag stands for is is freedom and justice for all, and I and I believe that we're making strides towards that. Um, and that's, that's as political as I'll get, I promise, Richard. <laughs> but I believe very much in, in the flag and what it stood for. Um, so I wanted to serve, and I wanted to serve in a, an elite team because in high school I was part of a track and cross-country team, uh, and we were, we were a very tight-knit group, small tight-knit group. We were very good, and I wanted to carry that forward and do something as part of a small tight-knit group group that was very good. And then growing up in Louisiana, every year, my family would go and visit the beach um, in in the, or rather the Gulf of Mexico there. And I knew that I wanted to be in the Navy. So what the Navy had that was elite was the SEALs. So uh, I decided upon the SEALs somewhere in high school and, and then pursued that uh, once I enlisted in 1996, and, and then went through the Naval Academy. Um, so that's kind of how it started, and then uh, has kind of played out since then.
0: I oh, know that's a, that's a great story. So I I didn't know that about you. So very yeah. noble that you came to the country and, and you wanted to serve and you believe in the country. And as you say, you know, you picked up on something very poignant right now with the the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, we're seeing it over here ourselves. It's 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 a huge thing, but I feel like it's it's needed to happen. Um, oh, it's absolutely. great what. It, um, and and like you said, I don't like to go too p- political either. Uh, and we we discussed this at, at the beginning of the podcast, or actually before I right. started recording. So, but yeah, I think it's it's, it's something um, we all should um, stand up for. You know, it's 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 a huge thing. And absolutely, um, I, can, yeah, I, I can't I can't agree with you anymore. So it's just the same as you know you you coming into that country. Uh, my my father came over to England from Hungary, and you know nobody is is uh, like born. It anywhere anymore or, or very rare you know we all came from somewhere there's no you go back generations and mm-hmm. we all came from somewhere before we got to the countries that we we now see so right, um, right. we're all equal and that's you know the color of your skin uh, your religion all that kind of stuff i read something the other day what was 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 great and it was like talking about we're all cleansing our hands and things like that uh, now because of, because of COVID and what's happened, we're all washing our hands. Uh, you know, we need to, we need to wash our, our souls of, of all um, racism and, and all this kind of thing that we're seeing. And, and I really, really do think that this is a, a great thing that's happened. It's had to happen. And it's been fairly peaceful over here. I don't know how it's gone over, over in America. I've, I've not kept too many tabs on it, but things seem to be changing
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely been, um, there have been far more peaceful protests than there have been riots. Uh, I think, you know, the, there, there have been riots and, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, I, I uh, you know, there's a lot of anger uh, that, that has been underlying for years, decades, probably even centuries when you, when you really look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as, as a white man living in the U.S., it's hard for me to say, hey, you shouldn't be rioting uh, when when I quite honestly have grown up fairly, fairly privileged in that. Uh, I, yes, I did go to school integrated, but even my black friends in Louisiana uh, that I ran track and cross country with, I would drive across town to where they lived, quote unquote, on the other side of town. And they didn't have... The opportunities that I had. They didn't have, mm. uh, you know, some of, the, they certainly didn't go down to the Gulf of Mexico every summer and spend uh, a vacation there with their family at, at the beach where I had that opportunity. So, uh, you know, when they talk about Black Lives Matter and then they talk about white privilege, mm. um, there's, and, uh, you know, I, I know that's not the topic of the show, so I'll try to get off the topic here. But I do. It's, it's hard to be living in what we're living through right now and not uh, have some type of conversation about this in that right now I'm in a building and there's a statue uh, outside uh, dedicated to the Confederate dead. So those who died for the confeder- Confederacy in the Civil War and that statue is coming down. And okay. it's all, all because of the Black Lives, move, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement. And it's, it's great to see. And I love the analogy that you mentioned there about, you know, if we washed, washed our hands for uh, COVID-19 to stay safe and now we need to wash our souls. We absolutely need to wash our souls. But we also need to realize that, you know, underneath our skin, we're all the same. We're all we're all humans, and uh, and and we all deserve the same rights and justices. So I, I fully support the the Black Lives Matter movement uh, here in the, in the U.S. And, and all around the world, because it's not just here where Black lives are oppressed. Um, so it's uh, certainly something that that needs to happen, and I'm and I'm glad to be a part of it. Glad to be behind it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And as you say, you know, it's not the topic of the show, but it is definitely worth picking up on, especially with you being from the States. And it was nice to just get a little bit of an insight into into your side of it as well. So, I mean, moving on, I was, I was really intrigued to know, you know, you said you wanted to, to become a SEAL. You knew that right. from a young age. And I've seen the training program. Just more on TV, but I've heard things. I've listened to the likes of David Goggins, who, you know, <laughs> yes, who hasn't. I think we all know Goggins. Um, but did you know what you were getting yourself into when when you enlisted for that and you went went into that training program? Did you realize how hard that training was going to actually be? Um,
1: I will say yes, and the only reason I will say yes is that I was I was blessed um, to go to the Naval Academy and. You know the, the Naval Academy is a four years four year college, and so you have uh, fellow students who are senior to you, and those those seniors go out to SEAL training before you ever do. So you know I was the class of 2001, so I watched the class of 1998, the class of 1999, and the class of 2000 all go out to SEAL training. I heard from them what it was. I mean back back then the the uh, discovery documentaries didn't exist, but I'd read about everything. Uh, in books. Um, I I talked to those who went out. So in a sense, I I probably had a much better idea of what that training would entail than a lot of my classmates out at Bud's. uh, I think the enlisted men that come out to Bud's
0: and that's they, Bud's they, basic underwater uh, demolition. Yes, seal.
1: I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, Badges. Right, uh, just for yes. the
0: non-military. I mean, I'm not. I'm not very yeah. uh, clued up on military myself. No, I'm hey, you, real. You got it. People it's, who are loving it, but yeah, <laughs> this is. This is. See, yeah. this is what you get when you listen to David Goggins' audio. <laughs> you learn a little bit.
1: You got it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, since you mentioned David Goggins, um, he his book you can't hurt me. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to read that, but. Uh, I've read it and then I went back and listened to the audio version. And it is one of the few books, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it's probably the one book that I think the audio version was a lot better than the actual book because they break it up into it's almost like a podcast format where the, the author, have you listened to it?
0: Yeah, that's how I, yeah, yeah I only listened. I've never, I didn't read the original yeah. book. Cause yeah. It's amazing because I like at the end of, so the guy will be reading and they'll actually stop because he'll be, Wow, David, so, yeah. so let me just pick up on this. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, cool. and you just get all that extra content that you wouldn't get from a book.
1: Right. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, so sorry, basic underwater demolition SEAL training. Uh, it's a six-month program uh, that has somewhat become infamous uh, for its – Either fourth or fifth week depending on you know the time of year that they have it but uh the fourth or fifth week is is hell week and that that during that hell week that's when we get a lot of people that quit they they literally ring out there's a bell that's carried everywhere and the the quitters ring the bell and and have to quit um Mm -hmm. so um it's uh it's an intense training that a lot of the people who show up for aren't quite ready for um but I will say that I was I was lucky enough to have picked the brains of those who had gone before me, so I somewhat knew. And I say somewhat because I don't. I still don't think anything can fully prepare you for what, BUDS, basic water demolition seal training is is truly, uh, truly made up of. Uh, everybody has yeah. a chink, chink in their armor, and in some form or fashion, the instructors out there are going to find that chink. And then export that chink to make you want to quit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a crucible of sorts, a so rite of passage for all seals. And and when you come out of it, I think you're much better prepared to to handle what you're going to be exposed to in the seal teams doing what we do
0: definitely so it's all about not breaking and they're trying to break you and you have to stay like and and as as much as you have to be strong physically i take it it's the mental toughness which you you really must possess to to get you through that oh
1: absolutely yeah i i don't you know i I don't know a percentage but i've you know i've heard 90 percent mental and and all that other uh garbage but it's definitely uh a high level of mental um tenacity Uh, There are people that come out there that are in just incredible shape. They are in incredible shape um, and they don't make it because they're not mentally prepared. Uh, Some of the best athletes that I have seen in my life show up to Bud's and they don't make it. Some of my classmates from the Naval Academy that were incredible athletes, they, they went to Bud's and they didn't make it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a, it is a crucible, and if you're not mentally prepared, uh, they will find a way to exploit your weakness.
0: It's having go muscles and not show muscles. I think. That's the <laughs> yeah, that's
1: a good one. That's a good one.
0: So, so you go through buds, and then is it is it? There's still still quite a process after this um, before you actually become a seal. It's right. It's, it's, I've seen a few different, and I, I don't know it. As well, it is, as well as it, I probably should have sort of looked up, but I, I know there's the, the SEAL qualification training and then there's troop and platoon training. You've got jump school. I don't know the exact yeah. way it all works, but... Wow. Yeah.
1: You've done your homework. I, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, so, yeah, BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition, that's just basically uh, your your first exposure to Naval Special Warfare. And it BUDS is broken into three phases. The first phase is, is your, um, basically your uh, that's really the crucible that's where you're going to get a lot of the physical training they try to weed out the weak, or, or those I won't say the weak, but they will weed out the, those who don't really want to be there um, second phase is dive phase that's where you learn to do a lot of the diving on the closed circuit rebreather on uh, the droider which is a, a closed circuit uh, diving apparatus and then, uh, and then from there, you go into third phase, which is land warfare phase, where you learn the very basics about land warfare. So you learn land navigation, you learn some explosives, you learn um, uh, how to operate your radio, how to work as a team uh, on the battlefield, that kind of stuff. But it's all the basics, and that's why it's called basic underwater demolition SEAL training BUDS. Mm. And then you go on from there to uh, SEAL qualification training. You actually go from there, sorry. uh, You do go to Alaska to do some cold weather training. um, And then you go from Alaska uh, out to back to Coronado. You do your SEAL qualification training and you do uh, your jump training. You used to go out to Fort Benning, uh, which is the Army's jump training, but Naval Special Warfare ended up developing our own. So we do our our static line and our free fall uh, jump training. Uh, all in-house within Naval Special Warfare, and then uh, and then yeah, out at the end of SEAL qualification, that's when you're pinned a SEAL. That's when you're initially said, yeah, you are officially a SEAL. And then and then that's really when the journey begins. Uh, so you don't go you don't go from when you're pinned to instantly deploying because all that stuff is the is the basics. Um, you get to your you get to your team and your first platoon. That's where you start learning the more in-depth uh, stuff, a lot more detail about radios, about diving, about maritime operations, uh, about jump training, uh, about, uh, urban warfare, that type of stuff. Um, and then, and then really where the gel is important that it forms is learning that the members of your platoon, learning the other people in your platoon and learning how they work and how to work with them. I mean, you get to be such good friends that on a night patrol, you can recognize who somebody is just by the gait of their walk, uh, that type of thing. You right. get very close, um, so and you learn to trust one another, and and they learn to trust you. So that's important. Um, so yeah, you nailed it in that, you know, seal qualification training. That's the end of your uh, like official training as far as becoming a seal. But then once you are a seal, there's a ton of training that comes after that that is going to make you uh, the, the sharpened tool that the military can use to, to do what we do.
0: So really, it's really the first part of it, the BUDS training, is just to make sure that you are worthy of being a SEAL, that you can handle being a SEAL. And then when you go on past that, it's it's really about homing in on those skills, sharpening right. that yeah. As you put it.
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's a good way of, uh, of summarizing it.
0: And did you, at any point throughout your your time in buds did you ever get close to feeling like you just weren't yeah. going to cut it and you needed to you needed to did you guys call it a vw uh, voluntary withdrawal
1: uh, we call it a dor drop on request okay. so uh, yeah something similar but uh yeah I, I i would be lying if i said that i didn't have those thoughts um i'm uh i'm six foot two and and i'll be completely honest in that I am not the most coordinated uh, individual in the world. And, uh, and the ops, like I was, I was a great runner. I was really good at swimming, uh, which are a big, big pieces of, of buds. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, but, sure. the, but the obstacle course, um, because it requires coordination and uh, and also a great amount of strength. Um, I struggled with several obstacles on there um, and I got I got hugely frustrated with that, um, to the point where, where I thought, okay, maybe I'm not meant to be a SEAL, but, uh, I went in on the weekends and I worked on the obstacle course, uh, so that I could, so that I would improve and, uh, eventually got those obstacles down and obviously ended up making it. But that was a, that was a piece. It was, uh, it was more out of frustration than anything else that made me think about quitting then. And then, uh, and then during hell week, uh, there was, uh, one evening i think it was so we started on sunday night and wednesday by wednesday night uh one of the instructors uh we were being what's called surf tortured so you're put in the surf in the cold water it's it's freezing um and it was a it was a winter hell week so it was february in 2002 i think i think that's right yeah february 2002 um and terribly cold water wednesday night and he he said something to the effect of, "Well, guys, it's only Tuesday night, and uh, and Hell Week doesn't end until Saturday night," which which wasn't true. It was it was actually Wednesday night, and and Hell Week ends on Friday. Um, but in my mind, he got to me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. we've we've hardly gone anywhere." And you know, by Wednesday night, uh, I'll back up a little bit. When I, when I touched on Hell Week before, I didn't mention that you don't get any sleep. Uh, well, you get three hours of sleep the whole week. Not three hours of sleep every night, but three hours of sleep through the whole week. And uh, and so you start kind of uh, seeing things and hearing things differently. And when an instructor tells you that it's Tuesday night, when it's in fact Wednesday, you start believing it. And so I was like, oh, wow, I'm hardly even into this week. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah. There was a point there where I almost broke, but then I was like, wait a minute, we did this activity this night, we did this activity this night, and, you know, then I was like, okay, he's lying, it's actually Wednesday night, so uh, I came back to my senses, but, uh, yeah, there was a part of me that considered it, (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah, it's got to be tough when you're so disorientated and, you know. They're, they're just constantly trying to break in and, and they're feeding you this false information, which is making you think you're even further back than what you actually are. Right. I can right. Imagine it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something I've seen. I've seen some, some stuff on TV over here. We've got um, a show SAS who dares wins. And and it's the same thing They they put and they've started doing it with celebrities now as well, but it's not as intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're really like putting them through the paces and even boxers. I'm talking professional high level boxers, um, recently retired ones as well they they're struggling with it and and when it gets yeah. to the part where they do like um i can't i can't think off the top of my head what it's called but it's it's an interrogation it's uh, they capture them and then they take oh, them yeah. interrogation they put them in certain stress positions that's where you see even the sort of front runners the strongest of the bunch that's where you see them really start to crack so, yeah, it's, very, right. it's a very interesting thing, but not to stick on that too much, because I, I know we've got quite a bit to get through and, and we are on limited <laughs> time, limited time. So, I mean, going going forward, you become a SEAL. I know that you served in Iraq, Afghanistan, off the coast of Somalia and Panama. Um, I understand that we can't go into too much about that it's it's something that you guys right. you know I, I don't know what you'd call it but it's something that you just you just kind of don't do i know there's people out there that probably have but a uh, general uh, thing is that you guys don't do that so i'm not going to pick up too much on that but where i want to nice. go with this not a problem at all is um we've seen the military now um, a lot of people uh, coming out of the military and they're st- suffering with ptsd and it's it's a real like paralyzing thing um and you know it's it's a catalyst for depression anxiety coming coming out of that environment seeing the the things they've seen and without prying too much i know that you had your own problems right was that due to to certain things that you'd seen the experiences you had whilst you was on some of these tours
1: it was uh yeah directly and you know i won't go into too much detail but uh there was there was um uh a few experiences that affected me the most uh and specifically that gave me uh post-traumatic stress but they also gave me a huge amount of, of survivor's guilt in that uh my friends um died and and i lived and you know they had families that i came back to and they' and they they obviously were not coming back to their family. Oh, sorry. I came back to my family and they were obviously not coming back to their family. Um, So that, that survivor's guilt I carried with me for, for years um, and, and uh, battled with it, battled with the anxiety that came with it, battled with the stress and the depression that came with it.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. And I think that led me uh, through some, some, dark times but it also ultimately brought me to uh where i am today and and uh yeah and we could definitely get into that shortly but it was uh it was a stepping stone towards where i am today
0: yeah that's something i've never actually heard of survivor's guilt and i've never really thought about it's a big one Mm -hmm. because you would think that yeah you would them them things are going to affect you you're going to lose close friends um brothers as you would probably call them and absolutely you think about that losing them, and that's what what's tough. That's what could cause you to to feel anxious, depressed, stressed. But actually, carrying survivor's guilt is a is a different one. I've never actually heard that. So you're you're yeah. actually almost feeling like you shouldn't be there if they're not there. Is I, I suppose that's just a, a very honourable exactly. thing because yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's that, and and you know, and and hoping that. The life that you lead from this point forward is worth, you know, their. Um, I don't know how to phrase this, but I, I, almost as though it's worth their dying and your living. Hmm. Not that, not that I'm trading my life for theirs or their life for mine, but uh, I definitely want to. I want to earn the life that I'm living now, knowing that they didn't get a chance to.
0: Yeah, I can. I can see that you want to live your life. After that, to the fullest, to honor them, I suppose as well, and and I can see why exactly. that would make you appreciate life so much more. Right. Picking up on what you said about what you're doing now, and I've heard a few stories. I've actually watched some videos with you, and um, you talk about a stigma that's attached to. I don't know if you want to explain what happened. So you were experiencing these.
1: Sure. I'll let, I'll let you go. No, into I'll tell a story, yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, that survivor's guilt, uh, like I mentioned before, led me through several struggles. And the the Navy had me uh, get some counseling. I did some talk counseling for a while. Uh, eventually got put on different types of medication, uh, some anti-anxiety, antidepressant pills. <clears throat> and uh, and I was on various forms of that. And they, they helped to a point, uh, the side effects I didn't enjoy, and, and eventually the... The help that they were giving me wasn't what I wanted, um, so I, I came off of them, uh, kind of cold turkey, and and went to a counselor and asked him what I could do to uh, to help myself heal that did not entail the the pills. Mm-hmm. And he he recommended mindfulness and meditation. And um, to be quite honest, the there, there's a stigma that surrounds that mindfulness and meditation. There's the stigma and stereotype that surrounds that is that, you know, you have to be a hippie. You have to be a woman. You have to be a monk uh, to, to practice that,
0: yeah, sure. which is not at
1: all true. Um, and again, and I've, I've said this a few times on, on other shows, uh, you know, that that stereotype. I have nothing against any of those. I have no problem with hippies, no problem with women. I have no problem with uh, monks, but I'm, I'm not one. I'm a man six foot two, I, I kind of considered myself battle-hardened, yeah. uh knuckle dragon guy, and mindfulness and meditation seemed type of flowery or kind of woo-woo to me. But um he explained the physiology behind it, that showed me some data, um, which I'm i I'm a big data guy. Um and once he showed me those things, then I took it upon myself to start practicing very simply, just using some apps on my phone. Just starting very small, starting like two minutes here, three minutes, working my way up to fifteen minutes, and eventually I started to see a difference in how I was responding to things, how I was handling things, how I was focused at work, how I was communicating with others, and and then, quite honestly, how I was experiencing life, you know, how I felt about life.
0: Yeah, um,
1: and 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 that that caused me to to yeah become a. Uh, an avid practitioner of, of mindfulness and meditation because I, I fully believe in it now. So here I am.
0: Yeah. And then going back to that stigma, you know, it's one of them things isn't it. Like you said, you're, you're, you're battle hardened. You're supposed to be, or, or at least you, you see yourself uh, that I'm, I'm a seal. You know, why am I right, going right, to meditate? Exactly. Like I'm, I'm tough. The things that you went through, the things that you've seen the training that you did that we spoke about to, to go and uh, meditate. It's like, you think of that, with yoga, one of the things I used to do a lot, is I used to do a lot of yoga. And at first I was a bit like, hmm, I did P90X yeah. and, I, and it was a guy doing it. So I was like, all right, it's cool. He's doing it. He's a guy. He's got muscles. <laughs> um, and then I did spin. And now the ticket is spin in America as well. Spin class on the bikes. Um, yeah. yep. Anybody who tells you spin is for women uh, needs to get into a spin class because that is <laughs> hard. You know, yes and you, uh, my,
1: my father was a big time spin right <laughs> yeah, he's a big time cyclist but i went and did a spin class with him uh at one point and uh yeah it's it's extremely hard
0: yeah it's, it's so tough and uh as i say that's again it's like you're like oh man i can do this like you might you might be benching 140 kgs but you know you just sit, sit that big guy on a bike for five minutes and he'll be struggling um right and, it, and it's right. the same thing It's it's a stigma so what advice could you give, I suppose first of all, what are the signs that that you would say to ex servicemen and women how could they sort of see this early on that they're suffering with ptSD um, is that something you think you-
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, i mean it's, sometimes it's it's underlying and they and it's it is hard to identify mm-hmm. they uh, PTS um, can manifest itself in different ways for different people. Um, For myself, uh, I was not um, enjoying life. uh, One, two. I wasn't sleeping, Mm -hmm. um, at least not normal hours. So you know, I'd I'd wake up after a couple of hours of sleep and then stay up the rest of the night, Um, or or I you know I would respond. Uh, to a crowd, a certain way, I, being around a crowd was very uncomfortable. If I was able to do it all at all, um, going out to a restaurant uh, back when that was a thing prior to COVID nineteen, going out to have dinner somewhere, um, you know, I, I would always feel like I needed to have my face towards the door and identify the exits uh, just in case something happened. Okay, yeah, um, I would have. I would have recurrent nightmares about specific events that happened on the battlefield or um, or you know a smell or a sound would invoke those same memories so if you're if you're experiencing some of that that may be a time that you want to go and seek some help and that's you know another stigma we talk about the stigma that surrounds mindfulness and meditation there's also a stigma that just surrounds seeking mental health support in general yeah and, and and quite honestly uh we as the military are are guilty of 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 kind of propagating that stigma in that we're like oh well what do you need help for why do you need to go see a, a shrink right and calling, calling a calling the psychiatrist to shrink mm, and yeah. saying why do you need to go see them what's what's going on in your life well maybe nothing's going on but maybe you just want to go and maintain your mental health it's just like going to the gym in that you go to the gym to maintain physical fitness. You don't go to the gym solely when you've hurt yourself. You don't go to the gym as therapy, like uh, as physical therapy. You go to the gym as maintaining your physical health, sure. physical fitness. Yeah. Well, going to going to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist regularly just to check in and say, "Hey, look, this is what I've got going on." That's maintaining your physical, or sorry, maintaining your mental health. Um, so. That's that's another stigma that we need to break down. In that people can go and seek mental health support if they're struggling or if they're not. Either way, there should be no stigma, and uh, it, it should be celebrated as good job. You're doing something good for yourself. You're doing something good for those you work with. You're doing something good for your family in seeking out that support
0: yeah and it's a great point. It is a great point because people think, oh, no, I've got to be crazy. you know I've got to be something really right. wrong with me, but no, as you say there, it's, it's just taking care of, of your mental health. Go and see somebody, check in, and like you say, you don't have to even be feeling these emotions. Sometimes something right. can be uncovered that you, you didn't really see at first. And I mean, I, su- I suppose the point I was trying to get to is that if something's identified yeah. earlier on. I suppose that is going to be much more helpful than than letting it take control of you because then it's harder to take control of it if you like
1: right exactly
0: so you picked up on that this has led you into what you're doing now is this is this veterans path
1: yes yes so veterans path it's a non-profit here in the states where we're teaching veterans mindfulness and meditation to help them uh, deal with that stress, anxiety, and depression that we've talked about earlier in the show. Um, But it's also something that we're hoping to branch out and and bring to active service members um, and transitioning service members so that they have these tools earlier on in their careers so that when they get exposed to the stress and anxiety, because it's gonna happen one way or another, but when they are exposed, then they have these tools of mindfulness and meditation mm. to help them to deal with it
0: yeah that sounds great and i like the name as well veterans path is a great name I must pick up on that because it's path is an acronym and the military love acronym yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed yeah so path is an acronym uh you, you really have done your homework richard I, i'm impressed uh path is an acronym it's peace acceptance transformation and honor and that's and that's really what we hope to help veterans find is that sense of peace acceptance, transformation and honor.
0: Yeah. And that's great. And it's it's a non-profitable, non-profitable organization. Um, And this is something that I take it was close to your heart for going through this yourself. And and then you've just wanted to be able to help others that are in the same situations. Right. The meditation side. Well, actually let's talk about mindfulness because I've always questioned what, what, what do you mean? What is mindfulness? how do we practice mindfulness? And I have talked about this and I've picked up on it with a friend of mine who's a a psychotherapist, but only, only briefly. And it'd be nice to get your take on that as well. What would you class as mindfulness?
1: Sure. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a misconception in that um, people believe mindfulness and meditation are synonymous um, and there's definitely overlap between the two, but they're they're not one and the same. So mindfulness is nothing more than being present in the present moment. Paying attention to the present moment, the experiences you're experiencing, the sensations that you're feeling, um, the emotions that you're feeling in the here and the now, and not not worrying about the past, not thinking too much about the future. that's that's all that mindfulness is. Um, well, let me add one, one level to that. And that's experiencing the, the present moment without judgment. So if you're experiencing a tough time, allow that tough time to be, you don't have to judge yourself for how you're feeling, just experience it and, and then know that that moment will pass. If you're experiencing a great time, that's, that's, that's great. Okay. Uh, and you can experience that great time. So that's that's all mindfulness is is. and you can be mindful while you're having a conversation much like we are right now in that, you know, as you ask me a question, I'm not trying to formulate an answer. I'm listening to what it is you're saying and then and then speaking from the heart and from the mind after you have asked your question, not halfway through. Uh, You can be mindful when you eat as you as you eat a meal, you know, pay attention to the smell of the meal, pay attention to the texture of the food. Mm pay attention to the actual taste and and in doing so that that is being mindful and and that can actually help you experience life and as you experience life you can enjoy life because it's not just passing you by you know as you wolf down a, a hamburger and don't even realize what it tastes like or or you can be mindful on your drive to work a lot of the time you may drive to and from work and never have even noticed that you did it you may you may It may just pass in a blur, but if you're paying attention, autopilot. Exactly, exactly. So being mindful is the exact opposite. I mean, really, if you think of the term mindless, and then the the antithesis of that uh, is being mindful. Mm. Being mindless is not paying attention to anything that's happening. Being mindful is paying attention to everything that's happening. So on your drive to work, you pay attention to the other drivers you know that there are other human beings and you can have empathy and compassion for what it is they're experiencing. So maybe it will help you with road rage because you see somebody that's in a hurry and you're, and you know, the first instinct is to kind of swear at them and say, you know, you so-and-so get out of my way um, or you so-and-so you cut me off when that person may have an emergency. They may have a small child in the car that uh, has just broken an arm and they, they need to get to the hospital and it allows you, to just stop for a second and reflect upon why that person may be doing what it is they're doing. So you can be mindful in the drive to and from work. You can be mindful in that you pay attention to, you know, the the walk from your car to your office. uh, And maybe there's a flower that you see or you smell. So it quite quite honestly is, is the old proverbial saying, you know, stop and smell the roses. That's all mindfulness is. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then meditation um, is where you actually stop and you, set aside some more formal time or you formally set aside some time to be mindful. So you may set aside some time, 15 minutes in the morning to stop and actually sit down and meditate. However you sit, maybe you, maybe you stand, maybe you lay down, but you, you meditate on specifically mindfulness meditation is you focus on the here and now during your meditation perhaps you're practicing transcendental meditation which you will you would focus on a mantra of some sort Mm -hmm. but you're focusing on something and not letting your mind control you you are trying to control your mind so that your mind may as you sit down to meditate your mind may wander off to thinking about something that you messed up yesterday or something that you have to get done for tomorrow. And when you do that, when your mind wanders off like that, you just notice it and come back to that anchor, whether that anchor is your mantra that you have or whether that anchor is a sensation in your body, focusing on your breath, focusing on a smell, focusing on the sights or sounds. That's all mindfulness meditation is. Uh, But it's, it's being very intentional about setting aside that time to do it. And there's physiological benefits that come with all those great mental benefits that we talked about. You know, you're experiencing life, you're experiencing the sensations of the smells of the meal, you're experiencing the taste, and that's all great. So you're actually getting to experience life. But there's physiological benefits that come with that and that your mind gets rewired to react a different way. Rather than reacting, you learn to respond with the prefrontal cortex of your mind, which is the part of your mind that's responsible for cognitive thought. Whereas most of the time, whenever we're stressed out, we respond with our amygdala, which is the part of our brain which is responsible for fight, flight, or fright, right. or sorry, fight, fight, f- fight, or f- fight or freeze. Uh, yeah, so uh, that that part of our brain is the the part that's kind of the, um, the reptilian reptilian yeah. part of our brain. Yeah, and and if we're able to respond with that prefrontal cortex, we're going to respond in a much more rational way eventually communicate better with those that are around us listen better and just full circle come back to experiencing life in a much better way
0: yeah and i it. it's a real good point and um there is actually a book called the chimp paradox i don't know if you've read that no i haven't it's a good one and that actually talks about the brain and it nice. is about they call it the, the the chimp brain um and it's and it's when you let's say let's go back to what you were talking about when you're driving a car and you just flip out of somebody you get road rage because it's just a, it's just that natural instinct it's that that chimp rein right. in you just just to retaliate rather than to actually sit back think for a second before you do and you'll find that your response is different because you can just you can let the thought process happen and and that sort of compute part of your brain will take over the chimp if you like it's, it's a good book to right to look up yeah um
1: yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that up for sure yeah
0: definitely and i this it was really interesting to listen to about the meditation and stuff as well because this is something that i'm trying to sort of take take into my own life because i'm very much you know it's go 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 and it's hard to sort of step back and i have noticed that Throughout this COVID situation, I actually have had a little bit more time to to step back. And uh, because I'm, I've been working from home instead of traveling to the office and things like that, I would be out on the road a lot more. I've actually quite enjoyed this time. And one of the things that you said about smelling the roses, I went out for a, a run one morning, and I don't know if it was even more powerful because there's been less pollution on the streets, less cars about and things. But the way I, when I go for a jog, I like to sort of go to somewhere else. So I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. I'm not going, ah, this is hurting. And I've, I'm only a mile in. I like to try and take my, my mind somewhere else. And I could I right. could smell the flowers and I could smell like the, the bushes that I was running past and the fields I was going through. And, and it just helped me get through the run the whole time. And it was just, just so nice. And it was something that I don't really experience very often because I'm not switched on that way. I'm not being mindful about right. that. I'm just—I've usually got a lot of other stuff going around in my head. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I know what I did want to pick up on it is that Veterans Path—you actually do a podcast as well.
1: We do, yeah. Uh, so coming full circle back to the breaking the stigma of of seeking mental health support, we have that that podcast where where I interview veterans who have. Uh, you know, struggled with um, PTS or they've they've had some type of mental challenge um, and they've overcome that challenge by seeking mental health support and now they're thriving. Um, Or I interview corporate leaders, um, athletes, uh, other people outside of the military that either practice mindfulness and meditation or have had some type of struggle that they've sought mental health support and and again are now thriving because I want people to understand that mental health is, is something that we can work on something that we don't need to be ashamed of seeking support for. And ultimately by seeking that support, we can thrive. We can become better. We can become better for ourselves. We can become better for our families, our friends, we can become better for our societies. Um, So why not? Why would you not seek mental health support? Because it's going to make your life happier and healthier all around. So uh, the, the podcast just is called Veterans Path. And we are on, on YouTube and on, on most major podcast platforms. But yeah, that's a, that's a part of our mission is to break that stigma.
0: Yeah, that's great, and I, I just wanted to put that in there because before before I forget, if I go past it or if it was no, in my head, I thought, if you. people are listening and and they want to know more, it's you know it's a good idea to go over to you and hearing other people's experiences sometimes that will resonate with people that are going through these things, and it's a good way of helping yourself and 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 knowing and understanding that you you're not in this alone, you're not going through these kinds of things on your own. This is right. You know, there's a lot of people. I always talk about, um, and this isn't related to the military, but I always talk a lot about Tyson Fury. You know, we talk about stigmas, we're talking yeah. about a big, I mean, you, what do you say? You were 6'2? Tyson Fury's like six six, six nine. So you can imagine how big yeah. this guy is. Um, and he is uh, a gypsy. He comes from a, a gypsy background who they are men of men. And to, to actually, for him to come out and talk about his depression and the, the battles that he went through, I think was such a great thing because somebody on his platform talking to people that are. You know, they, they're going through these things thinking they're alone. And, and you see a lot of the time we see celebrity, we see stardom and, and we don't see any issues, even though a lot of people are going through that. But for him to come out and, right. and be so honest about it and, and represent like a man, the sort of man that he is, just goes to show that there is no stigma. It doesn't matter who you are you can we can all suffer from these types of things so yeah right it, it was one of that that's one story that really kind of stood out for me and, and it's one that where i think it's it was just amazing that anybody who's anybody because he's a, he's a heavyweight champion boxer and if he can come out right. and talk about it and admit that he was going through these issues and 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 admit that he needed help and he came through it then anybody can anybody can admit to that anybody can, can go and get that help
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I'm glad people like, like him are coming out. Um, it, we've got uh, some, some football athletes here in the States, uh, American football coming out uh, because you know, the, the head injuries that they received playing hate. football. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Uh, and and that, that is helping to further break down that statement, but it's still there. And, uh, and I hope that in, you know, in the coming uh, months, years, whatever, however long it takes, we can change it to where mental health is something that is as, as every day as getting to the gym. Getting to the gym, you know, regularly is just like getting to your mental health expert, whether that's a counselor of some sort, whether it's a meditation a teacher of some sort. There's, uh, there's definitely great value added in, in seeking out that mental health support.
0: That's awesome. And circling back, I, I don't want to go too far back, but I was just going to pick up on that. You, you started a family. Um, so that's been, that was a, a good reason to sort of transition into, into civilian life, I suppose. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I've got a uh, little three-year-old little girl and uh, a one-year-old little boy. So uh, we do have a small family.
0: So I was going to say this. So your wife was actually in the military as well.
1: She was, yeah. Uh, she is uh, is an orthopedic physician assistant, um, and and served as an orthopedic PA in the Navy. Uh, and actually, we met at SEAL Team Ten. We deployed together to Afghanistan, uh, and then uh, and then got married soon after that. Um, so, yeah, sure enough, she's a she's a veteran. She served for ten years in the Navy, and uh, and then also served in the Coast Guard prior to that. Um, and then uh, her family, she's. Uh, she's got brothers in the uh, the army and the air force, uh, and now has a sister in the coast guard. So her family is big time military. Uh, so absolutely, uh, lots of uh, patriotic
0: blood in in our family. So you know what question I'm going to ask next?
1: <laughs> Please, yes, yeah, go ahead, shoot. So
0: if if your children said, "Daddy, yeah, I want to be,"
1: I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, they're still very young. So I've got, uh, in, in my, in my eyes, um, I've got my opinion about them, um, serving, mm. uh, because, because they're so young, but as I, as I, and How, how old are your children, right? by the way? Uh, a three-year-old little girl and a one-year-old little boy. Oh, that,
0: that's beautiful. Uh, so they're still very, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, they're, they're babies, uh, tons of fun, tons of work, but tons of fun. Uh, and I know there's plenty more work to come, but, um, yeah. I think down the road, you know, 15 years for my daughter, uh, whatever, 17 years for my son, if they came to me as 18 year olds and said, Hey, I, I want to join the military. Uh, I, I would, I would support it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would support just about anything they that they wanted to do just about, I mean, if it's makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd be very proud of their decision, but I would want them to to explain what made them make that decision. Uh, I don't want them to make any rash decisions. Um, so, you know, if they if they want to go out and see the world, if they can explain how they're going to do it and why they want to do it, um, then more power to them, I'll support that too. But uh, right now, uh, as 3 year and one-year-olds, uh, let me get you and get kindergarten you and I really to school first. <laughs> I knew you had a, yeah, yeah,
0: I knew you had two children, what you said earlier, but I didn't realize so young, yeah. so. Because um, I'm, I've got a, I've got a fifteen-year-old daughter now. I've got a, I've got a nine-year-old son. So, you know, my fifteen-year-old is at yeah. is at that point of of making certain decisions and thinking about the future. Yeah. But, yeah, you've got a, you've got a way to go yet, John. So you don't need to worry too much. Right. So I'm aware that you need to shoot soon because you're a busy man. Um, been up since three o'clock this morning, <laughs> and you're still going
1: oh, oh, for sure.
0: So. Listen, I want to just put out your socials, John. So, if so, I know you've got your own podcast, Veterans Path on Instagram, on uh, LinkedIn. I know you're on LinkedIn as well, where you know any of those social media platforms, if you would like to sort of put those out there before you go, um, I'll take those down and we'll put them in the bio as well. Yeah,
1: um, on LinkedIn, um, I'm just under um, John McCaskill, J O N M A C A S K I L L. I think there's actually two of them, but um, uh, it does say on my profile, which is uh, public, does say Navy SEAL on there. Um, And then uh, on Instagram, uh, I believe I'm John underscore McCaskill, so J-O-N underscore M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L. Uh so that's my uh that's primarily where I live in the social media public domain. I do have a Facebook, but I try to keep that uh private to mostly family and close family and friends. But uh, Instagram and, and LinkedIn uh is
0: where I do most of my public Excellent. work. And the podcast is just Veterans Path. Veterans Path. That's it. Yes, just Veterans Path. All right. Well, John, I know you're a busy guy, so I'm gonna let you go. Um just wanna say thank you very much for joining thank you. me today. Thank you. Good luck to Absolutely. you with the future. Obviously, now you're, you're transitioning out and you're, you're becoming uh, one of us. I wish you all the best for your business. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, much love to you and the family.
1: Well, thanks very much, Richard. I, I very much appreciate it. And thank you for the opportunity today to uh, you know spread the word about uh, mindfulness and meditation and, and more importantly about mental health and, and help, helping to break that stigma down. So thanks for having me on the show and uh, stay safe and stay healthy out there.
0: No problem. Thank you. Same to you, John.